In today's Dissa Bulletin, WFHB correspondent Abe Shapiro speaks with attorney Jeremiah Fry Pearson about a lawsuit against the rideshare company Lyft over its alleged lack of wheelchair accessible vehicles, or WAVs. Lyft officials cited limited supply of wheelchair accessible vehicles and driver availability as reasons why WAVs are only available to Lyft riders in nine cities across the entire U.S. To provide more insight on the issue, we turn to the latest edition of an interview with attorney Jeremiah Fry Pearson of the disability rights group Westchester Disabled on Move Incorporated. I know that there's also been a number of of conflicts between uh, the New York City TLC and Lyft specifically. I know there was the uh, 25% mandate in particular. I wanted to ask you about that. I know that uh, this court case was filed because Lyft said uh, that the 25% mandate, you know, that they could not provide 25% of the vehicle, 25% of rides that had to be wheelchair accessible. Can you tell us a little bit about what the result of that lawsuit was and if there was a program that came out of it? Sure. So what Lyft does in its business model, and this, by the way, is something that we're really hoping changes. We would like Lyft to settle this lawsuit and do the right thing. But as we talked about, Lyft's business model is just a fight serving people with disabilities. So Lyft's like, hey, we want to come in New York City, um, which is the most accessible taxi system in the world. We want to knock out all the taxi cabs, but we don't have to serve people with disabilities at all. And the TLC is like, yes, you do. And Lyft's response to that is, well, we can't. We, we would go out of business if we serve people with disabilities. And the TLC is like, well, number one, we don't care. Too bad. Don't operate in our city if you're not going to follow the law, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a reasonable perspective. But number two, you're lying. And uh, Lyft was lying. There was a lot of litigation. Lyft has been subject to much more regulation in New York City. Um, just one example, the toggle that we were talking about. Oh, yes. Toggle's insane, right? Hiding the fact that you have wheelchair-accessible vehicles from wheelchair users, there's no justification for that. Imagine if to find a ramp at McDonald's, you had to hit a secret code on the side of the door before the ramp appeared. That's insane, right? The TLC's like, get rid of that. Lyft, oh, we couldn't possibly do that. And the TLC's like, that's fine. Keep the toggle. You can't operate here. Lyft gets rid of the toggle. What happens? The number of wheelchair-accessible vehicle rides they give doubles. So all of this litigation has really shown that Lyft's approach to people with disabilities has been to stand in the side on the side of discrimination and to stand against making change. I understand that in the settlement between the TLC and Lyft, uh, there was the idea of combining a program with TLC with Lyft, which had to do with a success metric, a certain amount of time that yep. uh, officials or uh, drivers had to get specific wheelchair users. Can you go a little bit into depth of what that success metric was or what that is? And if that is that possible in Westchester? certainly is. Um, so the answer is it's, it's certainly possible, and it's possible everywhere with the broad enough timeline. Um, but basically, Lyft first said we couldn't possibly serve people with disabilities, and the TLC said, then get out of our city. You got to do it. And then Lyft says, oh, well, you know what? Actually, we can. 
What did Lyft do when they first launched, quote, accessible service? It was a joke. They did all the things that kind of like the things they did in San Francisco. So they could tell the regulators we have accessible service, but in effect, less than 5% of people who wanted rides would get one. It wasn't a real thing. And the TLC said, unlike San Francisco and unlike what the judge in San Francisco said was okay, the TLC said, that's BS. You're going to have to do a whole bunch of interim steps, and you're going to have to meet specific metrics. And with, oh, my gosh, we couldn't possibly beat metrics about the number of pat- the percentage of rides that we pick up and how long the wait times made. We couldn't possibly do that. TLC, once again, do that or leave our city. What does Lyft do? Do they leave? Is it true that Lyft couldn't meet these metrics? No, it was a lie. Lyft meets the metrics. And in fact, one of the only remedies we want for people in New York City now is we know that what Lyft does is it makes sure that it will meet the metrics for a quarter, and then it pulls back resources um, because it doesn't want to exceed the metrics because Lyft's mission, for whatever reason, in the disability community seems to be provide as little service as possible. So that's the big change we want in New York City is don't just do the bare minimum to hit the metrics. Pretend that you're a business that cares about people and provide actual service. And the end result, though, of all the changes in New- of the regulation in New York City is that Lyft provides far better service to people in wheelchairs in New York City than anywhere else in the country. The end result of every regulation on Lyft has been good at least as it relates to people with with disabilities, because Lyft refuses to do the right thing unless forced to do so. So I have some pretty extreme feelings about what San Francisco has done to make Lyft serve people with disabilities. I think with respect, it was sloppy, right? You shouldn't let a company say, we're providing this service, and then have them pay people to sit in a parking lot and not pick up wheelchair users. Um, in Dallas, it's even more ridiculous. For the entire county of Dallas, they have one or two vans that roam around the entire city. Um, and much like in San Francisco, they use the toggle so people with disabilities don't know they exist. That's not providing service. That's absurd. That's just, it's, it's, it's a joke, right? Um, and so, but as much as I want to criticize people, regulators in San Francisco and Dallas, Lyft actually provides service there. So even though there were minimal regulations, they helped. New York City, the TLC tried to be nice, right? They were like, no, you got to serve people. But what does Lyft do? Does Lyft make a good faith effort to provide real service? No, Lyft does the worst thing it can possibly do. And so the TLC has had to provide increasingly tough uh, regulations and metrics. Every time Lyft says it can't do it, every time Lyft does it. And what our lawsuit is doing is we're basically taking the TLC approach and making it go nationwide. And so talking about Westchester County, there are more wheelchair-accessible vehicles in Westchester County on the Lyft platform. And again, we only know this. Lyft doesn't ask its drivers whether or not they have wheelchair-accessible vehicles, except in New York City, where they're ordered to do so. So we know that because those vehicles drive from New York City to Westchester, which is a suburb. There are more wheelchair-accessible vehicles in Westchester County than in every other access region, which is where Lyft provides wheelchair-accessible vehicles where they're required to do so, except New York City. In other words, there are more Lyft wheelchair-accessible vehicles in Westchester County, which is a not huge county in the state of New York, than there are in all of Los Angeles, all of Chicago. And Lyft blocks those cars from serving people on the grounds that there aren't enough of those cars. 
or that there aren't enough people with disabilities. And those are two contradictory arguments. If Lyft is right, which it's not, let's say Lyft's right. There's less than 40 wheelchair users in all of Westchester County. But let's say that's true. Well, then that's great. You've got 500 wheelchair accessible vehicles. Why don't you, why don't you serve the 40 people, right? I mean, Lyft got these arguments that are just not, they, they work in sound bites, but when you actually look at the evidence, they don't withstand any scrutiny. And that's why if Lyft doesn't want to settle this case, I'm looking forward to going to trial. Um, and we'll take this case as far as we have to do it until we get justice. Absolutely. So based on what has happened so far, and also bearing in mind, I understand that Lyft went to court uh, three days ago in White Plains. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, was that uh, the same day that uh, the rally was held? There was a rally on the courthouse steps right beforehand where Lyft bribed legislators. Right, and right before the rally, Lyft was bribing legislators, uh-huh. I think, to have them not go to the rally. Um, but yeah, was, there was a rally before the court hearing. It was very powerful. Uh, and then we went into court, and I think court was a pretty big victory for plaintiffs. So it was a uh, it was a good day for the forces of justice. Absolutely, and so there is a trial date set at this time. But is there still an opportunity for there to be a settlement? And considering that the uh, story is still developing, I understand we don't want to say too much. But what uh, what is next for this court case? What can we uh, what can we expect? from what has happened recently. So no games for me and no games from the people I represent, who again are just people with disabilities who want to be served by Lyft. This case should have settled. This case, I would have be, the world would be a better place if I never had to break this case. The world would be a better place if once Lyft got served for refusing to serve people with disabilities, once they got sued, they said, oh my goodness, let's stop doing this and do the right thing. The world will be a better place if Lyft decides to do the right thing tomorrow. Judge Halpern, at the court hearing, he basically advised Lyft not to make any further motions. Lyft has repeatedly tried to dismiss this case, and um, they want to dismiss this case short of trial. One of the arguments that they wanted to avoid a trial was they wanted to say they're not a transportation company. Another argument that they want to use to avoid a trial is they wanted to say that when Westchester Disabled on the Move went to public hearings with Lyft representatives present and asked Lyft to serve people with disabilities, that was somehow not a request of Lyft to serve people with disabilities. So they had all these arguments that, you know, really smart lawyers came up with, and they convinced the judge in San Francisco, so they might have worked. And our judge made short shrift of those arguments. Now, in fairness, I had some arguments for why I think there shouldn't even be a trial, because I don't think Lyft has any defense, so I think we should win without a trial. And Judge Halpern basically said, there's going to be a trial. But after he said there's going to be a trial, he said, this is a case that should settle. And he reiterated something that, that I said, which is Lyft, at least in theory, said, they say they're in business to provide transportation for everyone. Westchester Disabled on the Move and advocates like Harriet Lowell, their ambition is not to have a trial. Their ambition is to open the doors to everyone. So there's room to settle. We've repeatedly asked Lyft to have settlement talks, and it's repeatedly refused. Judge Halpern gave Lyft two weeks to report to the court as to whether or not there would be a mediation. He suggested pretty strongly to Lyft that a mediation made sense. He offered to make Magistrate Judge Krauss, who's another very talented jurist in the Westchester federal court system, available to help the parties mediate. So we have two weeks, and the ball's in Lyft's court. I will tell you, plaintiffs would be more than happy to settle this case for the biggest reason being, once we settle, Lyft can turn off the blocker, and people with disabilities can start getting rides. 
That should happen tomorrow. So as soon as Lyft comes to the settlement table, we'll settle. But if Lyft, and what's in Lyft's interest here is by increasing the number of riders it has, Lyft will ultimately turn a profit by serving people with disabilities. But we do recognize that some of the things will cost Lyft money at the beginning, just like the TLC's reforms have cost Lyft some money at the beginning. We have told Lyft, if you settle, we're not going to ask you to spend a dime. Turn off the blocker. Provide service everywhere. Turn off the toggle. Don't hide wave service. That costs you nothing. Oh, and sorry, and ask your drivers whether or not they have wheelchair-accessible vehicles. Lyft asks drivers when they register every possible thing about their car. So, you know, when you click on a car in the Lyft app, it's going to say, so-and-so is in a 2012 Ford Taurus that has, it's red, and, you know, the air conditioning is at this level, and the quiet is at that level. They ask the people everything about their car. So we said, well, why don't you ask them whether or not they have wheelchair-accessible vehicles? And Lyft's answer, because Lyft always has an answer, is, we couldn't do that. It'll make the sign-up process too hard. Wait a second. You have people, when they sign up to be a Lyft driver, they've got to click through a pretty long application process. And one more box, just do you have a wheelchair-accessible vehicle? That's too much. And Lyft's like, yes. Now, that's one of Lyft's many lies that you can't believe with a straight face. So those are the three things that if Lyft will agree to change them, it will cost Lyft no money. It will result in more service. Um, and Lyft can avoid an expensive trial, and Lyft can avoid the risk of what I think justice requires, which is Mr. Elagudin's full plan, um, which is basically all those metrics. Well, I won't go into what it is, but it's it would require much more of Lyft. And so the world would in some ways be a better place if Lyft went to trial and lost. It would just take a lot, a lot longer, and we're willing to settle for less. We're willing to settle for Lyft spending virtually no money out of pocket. Um and I'm very, very hopeful that Lyft will do that and that a month from now, instead of um, us having to get all these people ready to testify, people ready to be asked invasive questions about their medical condition, all of that stuff, we're just working with Lyft on a solution. I hope Lyft will do the right thing. I'm not confident that they will. And if they don't, I'm really looking forward to going to trial because it'll be one of the honors of my lifetime to win this case at trial. 